the book of Nehemiah, we're, we're looking at a man that was so different, so profound. And, uh, and we fast forward and we see what's taking place here. See, Nehemiah goes back to his hometown of Jerusalem. A lot of you know the story, but if you don't, I'm going to fill you in, okay? Because we're going to start at the very beginning in just a minute. We'll, we'll, we'll rewind. So he's in, in chapter 6, he's building the wall of Jerusalem because the wall has been torn down, destroyed many years ago. And he has a burden and a desire to get this wall back up. But through this process, when he left Persia and made his journey to Jerusalem, he ran into a couple of people, uh, I would call them enemies of the faith, that were dead against everything he was doing. There's always critics when you try to do something for God. And they were upset and they were frustrated with his actions. And so you see that in verse 1 of chapter 6. And uh, these enemies, though, they saw that he was working on the wall. When I was in Alabama, we'd work, um, do vinyl siding and grew up doing construction. we have our scaffolding. I mean, we put the ladder jacks up and put the scaffolding on. we work on the wall, walk back and forth. Can't tell you how many times I wouldn't be paying attention, literally walk off the scaffolding, fall five feet. My dad didn't really care, but he's like, get back up. I'm paying you $2 an hour. Thank you, Dad. But the scaffolding, depending on the height of it, was always a scary thing because you had to get to different levels and work. Well, I'm link, thinking in my mind about this man, Nehemiah, and he's up on the scaffolding and he's working. And here comes Sam Ballot, Tobiah, and Geshem, not Gresham, like the man that just sang, Geshem. And Sam and, and, and Toby and Geshem, they come around and they say, they say to their servants, go to him. He's up, up, up on this, this side of this wall. He's working. He's almost done. It's getting a little scary because I think he's going to finish the job. Go to him, give him this message, and tell him we want to meet with him. We want to talk with him. And so they did. They went to him, and they, they said, listen, listen. The guys, Samballot, Geshem, they, they want me to let you know to come down because they want to meet with you. They want to meet with you downtown, a little place called, oh no. That's enough said right there in verse 2 of chapter 6. If somebody told me, let's go to, oh no, to meet, and I knew it was my enemy that wanted to meet, I'd say, oh no, no pun intended. So he's like, wait, 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 wait. I'm not going to come down. This brings us to verse 3. And I sent messengers, he said, I sent messengers back to these guys and unto them saying, I am doing a great work so that I... Here it is, cannot come down. Why should the work cease with I leave it and come down to you? So you go tell them what I just said. And the thing about this motto that I feel is the motto of the book of Nehemiah is this. It was no question. It was no possibility. It was a statement he made. He stood firm. I cannot. It's not a possibility I might. I cannot, I am not able to remove myself from the job I've been given to come down to your level to go to oh no. So oh no, I'm not going to go. So tell the guys I'm not leaving the work God has given me to do. Go, go. So he went back to him and he told him. Let me tell you something. When we look at Nehemiah, I've never looked at it this way, but I think of the church. When I look at the walls of Jerusalem, I think about the church. And I want to challenge you by speaking 
allegorically. I want to look at this passage of scripture and basically compare the walls of Jerusalem to the church. Fellowship Baptist Church. Let's be more personal. And look how Nehemiah used, God used Nehemiah to do a great work. With a motto, I cannot come down. I want to challenge you with this idea, with this thought, with this motto. I cannot come down. We cannot come down. Are you following me? So let's rewind. You ready to rewind? Let's go to the first chapter of Nehemiah. So let me, I'm going I'm to paraphrase. I'm going to explain some of this so you just follow along with me. So in the beginning of chapter 1, we're rewinding here. Before he ever gets up on the wall, this is what happens. Nehemiah is the cupbearer for the king of Persia. And the king has been reigning for 20 years. And he's located about 250 miles from Babylon. And uh, he's at the capital of Persia. So Nehemiah is working in a high position in the kingdom. I mean, he is the man that's protecting the king. He's tasting, he's tasting all, all the wines, the foods, to make sure everything is good to go, you know. And uh, that, nobody, the number one way to kill a king is through his food, you know. So they know if I can poison the king, I can take over the kingdom, compromise the kingdom, whatever the case may be. So his job is the cupbearer, and he is watching over the king. And so he's located in Persia, the capital of, of Persia there, and um, all of a sudden, in the midst of what is he doing, his work, his brother shows up in an eye. And he says, man, now I can't imagine, I wouldn't do this for my brother. And I love, I love Pastor Tony. I love Denny. You, y'all, most of you have never met my brother Denny. He's a different bird. And, but his brother traveled about four months, around eight to nine hundred, maybe even possibly a thousand miles to go see his brother. He shows up and he says, he says, uh, Nahum, I, I just wanted to come by and, and, and talk with you. I'm paraphrasing. I wanted to meet with you. I want to see you, talk to you, family reunion. And I says, tell me this, tell me this. What's going on back home? What's going on? Back in Jerusalem, how's it going? I, and he goes, well, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something right now. And nothing changed. What do you mean nothing's changed? I'm talking about the wall. You remember 150 years ago, our forefathers, during, uh, during the captivity of Babylon, the Babylonian captivity, all that happened? Yeah. Well, the walls are still down. Nothing's changed. The walls have been down for so long, people are walking over the rubble just to get inside the town. They're so used to it. Nothing's changing. Is Billy still out? Yeah, he's still there. He's still in town. But nothing changed around there. Are they doing it? No. No, ain't nothing changing. 150 years, ain't nothing changing. If I was to compare this to church, it would be very, very disturbing. Show me a church that's deader than a hammer, that's nothing's changing, nothing's happening, no ministries are started, nothing's processing. And I'll show you the walls of Jer- Jerusalem. They're about the same. And Nehemiah says, now let me get this straight. You mean to tell me that after all we've been through, we haven't got up after being in bondage and rebuilt the walls? That's a reproach on us. We need the walls up. You see, it's very important for a city to have walls. See, in verse 3 of chapter 1, he calls it affliction and reproach because it's as if there's a cloud over the town. Let me put it this way. 
You know it's not a productive town if you ain't got a Walmart or a Dollar General. They ain't got no Walmart, and they definitely ain't got no Dollar General. Nothing's happening. And the reason why is when there is no wall, there is no protection. And people in the town do not feel secure. That's a reproach. It's a slap in the face of God that they don't trust God enough to raise up the walls, to press forward, to continue serving him and develop their city. It was a reproach because there was a lack of production, but also prosperity. Merchants wanted to arrive. Nobody wanted to show up. Nobody wanted to exchange. Nobody wanted to buy and sell there because there was no security there. That's why there was no Walmart. Nobody wanted to mess with that town. And so here's Nehemiah, and he's saying, we have no protection. There's no prosperity. There's no production. It's not growing. This is a reproach. I can go to Alabama right now, and I go to some of the same churches I went to when I was a young preacher, and I preached at, and I guarantee you they'll look exactly the same. I'm not trying to judge churches. I'm just comparing the church to the walls of Jerusalem. There's no productivity Some of them are not protecting the word of God. We don't have, hey, they're not preaching the word of God. They're compromising it. And through the compromise, everything else gets compromised. And we get used to not changing or not developing and not getting new people in and not helping the community. And it just settles. So Nehemiah, because of the reproach on the city, he's frustrated. He's broken. And he understands something. Anytime you see this take place, as it did in Jerusalem, in the church, It's because there's sin involved. And he knew that. He knew they weren't trusting God. They weren't working for God. They weren't serving God. There was something missing. So Nehemiah begins to call out to God and seek God's face. Not just for himself, for the whole city. I mean, this guy's a thousand miles away nearly. And he's crying out for their sin. In Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 6, he said, Let thine ear now be, be attentive unto me, and thy eyes be open." Hear my prayer, the prayer of thy servant. And then he cries out for the forgiveness of the children of Israel and the sin they did against against God and the sins of his fathers. He's praying for everybody. He said, there's got to be a change. God, don't give up on us. Don't quit on us. Don't quit on our church. We want to be in your will. Well, remember, he's a cupbearer. So in chapter 2, we see him go before the king. And the king immediately notices something's not right. He's, he was sad. Verse 1, you see, he sees his countenance and he says, he says, Nehemiah, you, I know you're not sick. Because if you're sick, you're not going to be putting your lips on my cup and drinking from my cup. So something's going on. What's bothering you? He got a little worried because, you know, this is the king. They even referred to him as the king of kings. Well, we know who the real king of kings is. So he confesses to him. He says, how can I not be upset? The walls of my city, they're in ruins. The gates are burnt. I mean, it's a mess. What do we do? And the king looks at him and says, well, what would you like to do? And his wife next to him, the queen. And he says, if it please the king. And then he says a prayer under his breath, according to the scriptures. He stops and says, God, please help me right now. I've got an opportunity to really help the walls of Jerusalem go back up. In other words, to help the church. And he says, if it please the king, I would like you to bless me, to send me, to rebuild the walls. Here's the thing. We have an opportunity here at Fellowship Baptist Church to do a great work. We have the blessings of the king. 
The problem is, is what are we doing with the work that we've been given? See, the king looked at him in verse 7 of chapter 2 and granted the letters to give to the governors. In other words, he gave authority to Nehemiah to go forward. The authority of the king. He said, I give you the authority you need. Not only that, I'm going to give you the resources, the supplies, the money. He says, so in verse 8, he said, the keeper of the king's forest, I'm granting you permission to go to the keeper of the king's forest and get as much lumber as you need to build your own home and to build up the walls and the inner walls. I'm not only going to give you authority, I'm going to give you the resources, and then I'm going to take a step further. I'm going to give you protection in verse 9. So he sent captains, not just a captain, captains of the army, and soldiers to go with them. You know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of the people of Fellowship Baptist Church that have been granted by God Almighty, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords to go out with the authority that God has given us to do a great work, to get on the scaffold of work, and not come down because we have the authority to do what we're doing, plus we have the resources, unlimited resources to get the job done, and the protection Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life, as Psalms 23 has stated. We just got to get the job done. We're just like Nehemiah. We get everything back in us. So what does he do? He heads out three, four months, travels all the way down there, smelling like a donkey. Gets there, wore out. But the first thing he does, he gets his beast, as the Bible calls it. I'm assuming it's a donkey. It could be a horse. In Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 12, he goes out at night and lets nobody know. And he looks around the city walls and he starts observing. And he goes from one end around the other and he goes through and there's some ports, ports, some parts of the wall he couldn't even get through because all the rubble was piled up. So he had what? He said, literally, I couldn't even get my beast through it. I couldn't even get through. That's how bad it was. And people settled to live like this? I mean, look at this. When's the last time you analyzed your church? When's the last time you got out of your pew and walked down the hallways to see the Sunday school classrooms? When's the last time you went to junior church to see what's going on? When's the last time you got on a bus to see what's going on? When's the last time you analyzed the walls of Fellowship Baptist Church to get off the pew to see what needs to be done? Because Nehemiah did. He traveled a thousand miles to see what's up. So he walks in, walks about, gets back on, Rides off, and he comes to the conclusion. It's time to climb the ladder of faith and not come down and not let anything take us down from doing the work of God. So now we find ourselves at a place where he is using the motto, I cannot come down. What are those things in our life as a church that we cannot come down from? Why can we not come down from the work that God has given us to do? When Nehemiah got on the scaffold and began the work and put his hands to the work that God gave him, why did he say, I cannot come down? I cannot compromise. I cannot give in. I cannot give up. I will, I will supply the needs of my family. I will serve the Lord. I will serve the church, and I will do the best I can. And I cannot come down to stop. I'll tell you why. He couldn't come down because there's a need to be met. See, in chapter 2 and verse 17, the beginning, he gathers the people together and he says to him, listen, listen, Jews, guys, children of Israel, listen to me. Come a long way. And I have the authority of the king and of God. We have work to do. 
You've been walking around on the rubble of this city for 150 years. Your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, they've never seen the power of God around here because you all aren't trusting God. You ain't getting up doing nothing. You're just warming a pew. And all of a sudden he says, Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in. He said, Listen to me. We are in distress. We have a problem. And I cannot come down from the work that I'm to do because there's a need to be met and it's the distress of the people. Have you ever seen a Sunday school worker stressed out because they never get a break? You say, no, it's probably because you've never been in the Sunday school department to see it. I said, Pastor Dave, you are getting really vicious this morning. I want to tell you something. The other day there was a worker upstairs in junior church. There was 80 kids and only one helper. You know how many times they picked up the phone and said, can, I, man, can you help me out? 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 Mm. You know how many times we parked the bus and not, not able to run a bus because there was no driver? That's called distress. Distress. That's called people walking down the ladder and walking away and going, I don't know about this whole building the wall thing at Fellowship Baptist Church. I just don't know. And everybody else is losing their hair, literally. They're stressed out, kids running everywhere. Man, I just need one person to take Johnny to the bathroom. And then we have people walking the hallway say, we just need a hall monitor out here, just somebody to take care of these kids running just down the hallways, going just all by themselves. They're throwing all, all kinds of toilet paper. Well, why don't you do it? We're all distressed here, don't you see? Come on now. I know. Tony's going to be, you split the church before I even got back. There's a need. We cannot come down because there's a need to be met. It's the stress of the people. It's the desolation of the land. He said, listen, can you not see there's a distress? And then he goes on further and says, how Jerusalem lieth waste. The word waste means desolate. And the gates thereof are burned with fire. Distress of the people. But let me tell you something. The desolation of the land represents Columbus, Ohio. He said, we need to go out there and reach everybody. Glory to God. And what? Bring them to a church full of nobody that's serving? Come on now. If you're going to get on the wall, do not come down from the wall. Serve God. Work for God. Do the job. I cannot come down because Columbus, Ohio is on its way to hell. And we've got to reach out and help them and save them. And when they go to this oasis and they say, hey, they love me. They ought to find somebody at the door shaking hands and greeting they had to find somebody in the Sunday school class saying, we're glad you're here. They had to find somebody in the pew saying, will you sit with me? Because there's a desolation in the land. And we are the ones that are building the wall. And we cannot come down from the work that we've been given. There is a need to be met. The distress of the people, the desolation of the land, the deficiency of the work. He said, come. Let us build up the walls of Jerusalem. I know it's going to take some time. You're going to sweat a little bit. But come on, guys. It's been 150 years. We've got to get things going. It's okay. Let's do this. I had one of the boys this morning help me because the breezeway over there needed vacuuming. Clean it up. One of our teenagers got on it and cleaned it up. That's called work. I like to work. If you don't know me, I like to work sometimes. But... It takes everybody to work. Are y'all following me? 
I cannot come down because there's a need to be met, he said. The distress of the people, the desolation of the land, the deficiency to work. Man, everything's falling apart. Well, let's get out there and work. So everybody gets wound up. They're like, yeah, woo. It's like a pep rally, a fellowship Baptist church. Everybody's wound up. Man, this sounds awesome. And then in verse 18, then I told them of the hand of God. And they're like, woo, and the good upon me. And they're like, yeah. And he said, not only that, I got the king behind me. You kidding me? And they're like, man, this is awesome. And all of a sudden, and they said, let us rise up and build. They said, man, we're on board. Let us get up on that ladder and that scaffold and start working. We ain't coming down. And Nehemiah's like, yeah, now we got some bus drivers. Now we got some new Sunday school teachers. Now we got more people in the choir because they want to work. And man, everybody's pumped. And then here they come. Oh, they always come. Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. In chapter 2, verse 19, Sanballat, oh, San and Toby come by and they're like, so, they're not even part of the town, by the way. They're outsiders. They're just checking things out. They're the critics that come in, check the church out, and all they do is start friction in every church they go to. They're only there for about six months. They can't commit. They don't join. They just look around, and they're like, well, just, do it. just checking about 100 churches out. And every church we go to, we stir up trouble. They're nurseries. We got problems with them. They're pastor, lack of hair, ta-ta-ta-ta. So here goes Sam Ballot and Tob, uh, Tobiah and Geshem, and they show up and they laugh, the Bible says in verse 19, in scorn and in de, de, they despised us, he said. They, they said, what is this thing that ye do? What are you doing? Really? Some of them may have even been part of the church. I don't know, you know, part of the city. And they said, do you really think it's a good idea to do that? To change things? My grandma and my great-grandma, we've always done it this way. Always. Toby said, I just don't understand. You guys are crazy. He's laughing and getting all giddy. And, but they're angry. Why would we clean up the rubble? We have actually packed it down and made little trails. We love it. Why change now? Why change? That's it's the number one reason churches fall apart, because they don't like change. Feel like we're compromising every time we make a change. Let me tell you something. The Bible speaks of new life, the New Testament. You hear me? New is not a bad thing if you do it God's way. Right? If you do it God's way. And so they started bowing up against it. And so Nehemiah said, oh, man, come on. I just got everybody on board. They're excited. And then you guys come along. Then verse 20, chapter 2. He said, I cannot come down not only because there's a need to be met, but he said, because there is a God to be served. Look at verse 20 of chapter 2. Then answered I them. He says to Tobiah and Geshem, and said unto them, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build, but ye have no portion. That means no heritage, nor right no memorial in Jerusalem. In other words, who do you think you are to hinder the work of God? 
I cannot come down because this is what God has called us to do. And you will not stop us. You will not hinder us. You will not backbite us. You will not criticize us. We will press on and we will run you over in the process of doing so. Because we have a job to do and I cannot come down from the work that God has given me to do. Let him criticize. Let them point fingers. Let them think you're ridiculous for the changes and the ideas you have. But you press on and you do it God's way because you have the authority of the king and the resources and the ability. So he said, I can't come down. Not because there's a need to be met, because also there's got to be served. And he says, hey, people, it's not about meeting the need only. It's about serving the God that we have. We're servants. You will serve with with." with with an excitement in such a way that nothing will slow you down. The Bible says that they serve with friends. All of chapter 3 is exciting. You know why all of chapter 3 is exciting? Because it is nonstop talking about the ones that built the wall. They all got together. And it says so-and-so next to so-and-so and so-and-so next to so-and-so and so-and-so next to so Man! I'm talking about the more, it was my favorite chapter of the, of the whole book because it showed that everybody came together and they worked together. In verse 1 of chapter 3, the high priest rose up and his brethren, I mean his friends got together and they started to work. Somebody said when we built the stage for the Christmas drama, said, man, I bet that took a long time. Look at all that stuff. Look at the walls. Look at this. Look at that. Man, who did all that? You know who did all that? A lot of people did all that. Side by side. And somebody came in and said, well, I'll run the wires. Richard under the stage, running all the wires. Somebody came in and said, I'll build the stage. So Jamie and Bob, they came in and they start building the flooring. Somebody said, I'll build the structure of it. So Mike Priest comes in and helps with that. And then Joe Catronia and then the other staff, they all start coming in. And some ladies come in and start painting. And then people go to the back. You know why? Because it's like building the wall. We're building the church side by side. We cannot come down from the work that we have been given. There is a God to be served. We'll serve them together with friends and with family. Because the same chapter says there's family yoking up together. I mean, one of my favorite verses in chapter 3 was where we see uh, that the daughters, in verse 12, the daughters came together. I mean, even the girls got together. Sisters, putting their hands together and saying, let's do this together. Brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles. Then I noticed people from Jericho came. And around the town, you know why? Because when a church starts serving and becoming servants, people in the area, people in Columbus start looking, and they want to be a part of it. And they said, let's get over there. Man, they're building. There's something going on. Did you see that Christmas drama? They had 150 people in cast. That's a lot of people serving. Shoulder to shoulder. They got it going on. And all of a sudden, everybody pitches in, and the walls are getting done. John Sullivan uh, preparing for the uh, Christmas um, candlelight communion was with his son, and I saw him out here, and I thought that was so cool with Gideon. He was uh, getting things ready with Gideon, and, uh, and that's serving with your family. Raise your family up to know it's a heritage. It's passing the bus ministry down to your children, teaching them how to serve, giving them a desire. My son looked at me, and we do magic inside the junior church, and he said, man, I I can't wait one day, Daddy, you think I'll be able to do magic all by myself and teach a class in junior church? I love that. You know why? That's a desire. 
It's an amb- Hey, they don't want to come down from the work because there's a God to be served and we're the servants. And they're working and serving as friends and family. And you know what's the best part about it? They loved it. You know you're not right with God if you don't love working for God. Something's missing. If you don't enjoy it, please get out of your class and quit teaching it because you're going to make everybody else not enjoy it. My kids, I want my kids to grow up and be a part of the ministries and stuff here. So I, I thought, you know, I saw John. He was with this kid. And uh, I said, Christian, Ellie, let's go to the church. We're going to take down all the candles and clean up. And Ellie looks at me. you got to know my daughter, Ellie. She goes, all right, Daddy, we're going to get paid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. So <laughs> I, I just want to see my kids get involved. I want to see them get up on the ladder of faith and start working on the walls of the church and say, we can't come down. We're not going to stop. We're not going to quit. We're not going to give in. But I love how he closes it out. Because even in the midst of all this, again, Tobiah comes along frustrated. Him and his friends in, in chapter 4 and verse 1 through 3, and they start criticizing and mocking like children. Even a fox could tear this wall down if it crawled upon it. What are you doing? What kind of ministry is that? This is ridiculous. And the kids and the family started getting discouraged. So the Bible goes on to say they continue to work. Verse 6 of chapter 4. So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. Listen, church, we're going to get discouraged, and we're going to want to quit. We're going to get frustrated. We're going to get burnt out. We're going to get really discouraged at time because of the critics. But have a mind to work. Do not come down. You cannot come down. Finish the job that God has given us to do. Now, cannot come down not only... Because there's a, there's a work to be met or a need to be met. But I want you to notice the third point. There is a work to be done. I want to finish the job. I don't want to just be a servant. I don't want to just meet the need. I want to do the job till it's done. Pastor Denoff, God bless his heart. I love him and miss him. Started this church all those years ago built the walls. He personally was working in this auditorium and all the other buildings because he had a desire and a heart for it because he knew there was a work to be done. In chapter 6 and verse 3, it says, and I sent messengers unto them saying, I am doing a great work. We're right back where we started from. He's up on the ladder and the scaffolding. He looks down at the messenger and he said, you go back to them and you say to them, I cannot, speak, I cannot come down to you because there is a work to be done. And that work is great. Let me tell you something. We may not work for the president. We may not work for the government. We may not, hey, listen, we may not have a prestige job. We may not have something that we could want. We want everybody to know about and advertise like we're something special. But let me tell you something. Serving the king of kings is the greatest job and opportunity you possibly could ever have. It's a great work. It's a work that must be done, and we cannot come down from it. Let me tell you something. The ministry, the pew ministry, it's done. It's full. We don't, know, we don't need any more help with the pew ministry. It's maxed out. So if you want to be a part of the pew ministry, don't worry. It's already taken care of, but we've got some other ministries that you could be a part of. They're great works that can be done. So get up on the wall with us. Start building. Join up with us. And it starts even to the doors. 
Because Pastor Tony said the greatest need in our church is volunteers. Somebody, valet parking. Two guys been doing that for five years, four years, three years, something crazy like that. Two guys. We try to start a parking lot ministry and we need people to join up because it's fun, it's exciting. It's a great work. Bus ministry. You know how many times Pastor Tony, before he preached on Sunday morning, got in the bus and drove a bus? Most of you don't even know that. Because he was so desperate not to come down, to shut the bus ministry down. He said, I would rather drive a bus myself than shut the bus ministry down. I cannot come down. I will not come down. We have a job to do. And it is a great work to be done. So I ask you, will you stay up here with us? Will you finish the work? Because it's a great work. I cannot come down because there's a work to be done. It's a great work. And the work must not cease. So that I cannot come down, why should the work cease? In other words, I can't quit. I can't quit. You know, I can quit a lot of different things. And it's easy to quit. I told my wife, I said, I am a fatty. I mean, I was gaining weight so fast I couldn't stop. I mean, summer, summer, I was doing pretty good. And then I gained weight and gained weight and gained and gained and I couldn't stop. And I said, you know what I'm going to do? I will commit myself for three days to have 1,200 calories a day. And I will drink plenty of water. This is the third day. I am dying. And I want to quit so bad. And it's just three days. The surface of God is a lifetime. Until you die, do not come down. So here's my challenge. This morning as a church, if you were to tell me your ministry, your ministry of where you're working on the scaffolding of the wall of the church, could you tell me it would be worth joining you? Or could you say, I got nothing. I'm not even, in the, I'm not even on the wall. I got nothing going on. I'm not even serving. I'm not involved. Can I challenge you to join up with us? You say, I'm already a member. You ain't really a member unless you join to the point you're working. Hey, look at here. Why is this my body? Because my whole body is working. I'm moving. If you're part of the body of Christ, which is the church, you are a working body. God don't want no lazy church. God wants a motivated, working, prosperous church because we have a job to do and we cannot come down from that job. And I tell you, we've been blessed with church members that know how to sweat and work, put their back into it, But the reason why so many are sweating so hard and working so hard is because they're doing it alone. You say, I want to be a part of this church. Don't just fill out a piece of paper. Put the sword in one hand, as Nehemiah said they did, to protect themselves and work with the other. The word of God, apply it, do it, work it. How many are with me? I'd like to see a pep rally in 2015, a Fellowship Baptist Church of people that step up, that climb up and say, I will not come down. I want to serve the King of Kings. I want to work hard. I want to do my best. I will work. I will serve. It is worth it because it is God we're serving. 